Okay, so it is time for another podcast, and I am just so unbelievably excited because we have another special guest helping fill in for Miss Jess Anderson McGovern, who is on maternity leave with baby Harper. So mad shout out to her and her family as they are taking this much needed time together. Uh, but luckily for me, that means that I get to completely spice things up, change the game. I don't even know what else to say, but we've had some really great um, guest speakers, and we're just continuing that trend today with a very good friend of mine, Miss Hannah. Well, what, what, did, what do you go by now? Uh, Rich. Okay. Hannah Rich. Yeah. Well, it's all of your social media say something different, so you just never know. But my newly yes, married okay. friend, Hannah Rich. So um, I'm really excited for you all to meet her and for her to be able to be on this podcast and share her expertise. Thank you so much for being here. You want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, my name is my legal name is Hannah Rich, although currently all of my documentation are in the hands of the post office and the Social Security Administration. So who knows what my legal status is right now? <laughs> um, but uh, you will find me on social media as Hannah Joy. Uh, it's just my middle name. It's just what I go as. Um, I am a former pure romance consultant. Um, I've been friends with Rachel. Um, I met her through uh, Pure Romance. She was actually my consultant for several years while I lived in Lincoln. And almost four years ago, I moved to Wichita, Kansas, and um, decided to join her team uh, for really connection and sisterhood. I didn't have any friends in a new place. Um, but even before being a Pure Romance consultant, I was always the friend who would like say blowjob way too loud in public at a restaurant. Um, and I've always just been very open and very sex positive. Pure Romance certainly um, helped me put some more tools in my toolbox for that. Um, but even uh, without that business as a part of my life, it's still something that I'm really passionate about. And in Lincoln, I was a pretty regular um, participant in a local BDSM group, which is kind of what I'm here to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I, that's what I'm incredibly excited. We have not really done, even, I don't think Jess and I have even really ever broached a conversation about BDSM or bondage or anything like that. So uh, it's been fairly vanilla, uh, I, I, I might say. So yes, I'm excited. I'm Rachel Vote, as you already know, and I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. Um, you can find me on the Book of Face, uh, per the usual. My Instagram handle is officially changed, so make sure you're searching for a good girl's guide too uh and i'm on the tick tock somebody twisted my arm so tough or finger wave it was terry yeah it's it's soul sucking so be careful and intentional it's also a good girl's guide too um over there on the tick tock and it's very very much not intentional to go viral just so you know so if you're like this is so many things i do I do. My husband cooks. I got weird dog-faced creatures in my house. I got kids. I'm an intimacy coach. I'm a perspective coach in general, so you you won't get just one thing over there. So if that's not your thing, then that's cool. You ain't my vibe anyway. But um, lots of ways to reach me, and I'm so excited about the upcoming empowerment classes. The level two course is in the works right now. I'm actually creating it, so um, I'm super stoked for lots of people not only to do that but some one-to-one services so make sure you're reaching out to me if you just need to to connect and if you need free content too i can make sure i get you hooked up with that so lots of ways to get your personal development growth on and one of those is by tuning in today so um hannah and i absolutely connected fairly quickly uh she was one of the very first parties that 
I stayed after and it was just her and I, like the party goers had gone. And I think it was their hour and a half, almost maybe two hours after I was done, mm-hmm. quote unquote, working. And we just became very fast friends. And that was one of the things that I admired most about her is that she's, she's younger than I am, but she was so educated and so... Um, well-spoken and articulate about the conversation that it just like inspired me in my current role but then I mean like I recruited and recruited I don't I don't recruit people I don't recruit people but I was like I need this girl in this industry I need this voice I need this and so um that's that's basically what happened and uh she's just the way that you talk about this is just it's so these are going to be not the words I want, but the closest things like soothing and relieving to it. Like the way that you would hope that everybody could talk about any sexual subject, because it's just all the taboo is taken out of it when you're talking about it, I think is how it feels. So, um, so yeah, so we're going to have a really important conversation. I know that a lot of listeners out there, I'm sure are familiar with some type of shade of bondage or BDSM. And we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but what I love about Hannah's, <clears throat> excuse me, Hannah's education of it is, you know, how so we were able to take it out of the cliche social norm of a book or movie you might have read and understanding the emotional connection and component to it and um, maybe even exploring that for yourself a little bit as well. So please take it away. Tell us a little bit about, you know, like tell us what we should know as a beginner and maybe even if you whatever you're willing to share about how you got into this as well. Sure. I shouldn't say got into it, um, how you came to know it was a thing of yours. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, I got into it the way I think probably a lot of people do. I was introduced to the idea of kink by a partner. I was um, 19 or 20. I was fairly young. Um, and I, at that point in my life, wasn't in a great um, mental space, and I was uh, with a partner who wanted to be dominant, and we were together for about a year, and we did we did not mesh very well uh, because <clears throat> it actually turns out I'm not a very submissive person at all, um, <laughs> so I just wasn't very good at being um, his submissive because that's just not who I am. Uh, But throughout our relationship, I found several resources where I was able to kind of go freely explore uh, what I was into. So for the ladies who are in the Lincoln and Omaha area up in Nebraska, or the listeners, I should say, I'm very used to our women-only Facebook groups, but (laughs) for the listeners in the Lincoln and Omaha area, um, there is a local organization called Midwest Alternatives. Um, and in the before times, they had a monthly meeting where there was a demonstration of some type of kink activity um, and then an open dungeon where basically there was equipment set up and you could just kind of go and play. Um, they're, of course, not doing that right now. It's very diff- difficult to socially distance uh, because not everybody knows how to throw a six foot whip. It's, you know, it's hard to do that in a socially distanced fashion. So they have not had their monthly meetings for, for several months now, but, um, you know, hopefully in the future, they'll continue to be a a resource. They do also have a Facebook group, but I think one of the best places to jump in, um, and this is going to sound a little bit strange 
is um, through pornographic materials. And that can be a lot of different things. It can be Pornhub, but personally what I think is one of the best ways to do it is through a website called literatica.com. It is a user-generated content website for um, adult and explicit fiction that falls into one of many different categories. If you go to their tags page, um, like tags on an Instagram post type of thing. Um, so it's tags.literatica.com. It shows you whatever is their current top, I think, 100 tags. And if you just go through that and read through those words and think of it in kind of a sexual sense, um, the one where you know, you maybe get like a little bit of a downstairs tingle or your brain goes, oh, wait, what? I have questions. Uh, just, you know, click that and check it out or Google it um, because I promise you there's information on everything you could possibly want on the Internet. Um, I've I've always joked that if rule 34 is that if it exists, there's pornography about it. Rule 35 is if it exists, there is fan fiction about it. And that is absolutely true for everything kink related. So if you're really just thinking to yourself, you know, I don't know how to do anything kinky, that's a great place to start. Um, but I will say most people are kinkier than they think they are. Most people who think they are real, just like solid vanilla most people are into something sexually that other people are not, um, <clears throat> which brings up a really important phrase, uh, which I think Rachel's version of this is don't yuck on someone else's yum. Um, and a, a, a sort of community wide version of that is your kink is not my kink and that's okay. Um, because it's really important to recognize that human sexuality is incredibly fluid in every direction it can possibly be. And so when you start thinking about what's kinky, you know, maybe I like to, uh, I'll just use a personal example. I really like markings like um, bruises and love bites. Um, but I know people who grew up in very conservative families who learned that like, if you have a hickey, that means you're a whore. Um, and so for those people, it does not, take a button for them. Um, whereas for me, it does. That's not necessarily something that's really considered kinky, but it's certainly something that some people are into more than others. So I think that is a really important thing to distinguish that, you know, although there is a really long distance between the frequency of love bites and hickeys as a, a an enjoyed pastime, up to, if you think of some really extreme versions of kink, like 24-7 um, slave master dynamics, or blood play, or scat play, which is urine and fecal matter, which for a lot of people is the hardest of hard nose. Uh, but for some people, that is the biggest, brightest yes in their kink toolbox. So there is a lot of distance between those, certainly, but it really all comes down to, in my opinion, what everybody's um, background and experience and context for experiencing those things is because it really does change how your mind and your body reacts to things. And so for that reason, um, I think it's really important 
to say to yourself, my kink is not what I expected it to be, and that's okay too. Um, because a lot of people are shamed. Let's just say it. We get shamed about sex a lot. And there are a lot of things in kink that someone might be shamed for. So I am a proud, you know, liberal feminist killjoy smash the patriarchy kind of person. But (laughs) I really enjoy degradation, uh, which is basically, you know, being called bad words, being told that you're, you know, useless, just a toy, things like that. I really enjoy that in the right context with the right partner. Um, and so that's that was kind of a, a cognitive dissonance thing for me that I had to sort of uh, bring my, you know, I, I had to resolve within myself to just recognize that, you know, just because I feel this way doesn't mean that I can't enjoy something else. Um, so that I think is kind of the biggest thing for someone who is new to kink of any type to recognize is that one, you're probably kinkier than you think you are. And two, whatever your kink is, as long as everyone involved is a consenting adult, you are taking the reasonable safety measures, anything is okay to get off to. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that you put that beautifully. Um, speaking of the fluidity, I mean, that was the word that was in my head and you said it. And it was like, that's exactly what it is. Because... We are such babies when it comes to being human beings. We forget that often is that we haven't been having sex out of anything other than procreation for that long of a period considering how long we've been on planet Earth. So being so so fixated on male-female penetration, vagina-penis sex, like that's just one version. And it, it took so long for us to even open our eyes to, you know, men having sex together to women having sex together than to anybody having sex together. And it is, it is just that it's fluidity as much as you choose your favorite color. Well, I mean, choose is is probably the wrong word. I'm sure, you know, but like, it's just, it's all woven together with a, I I can't get enough of that. It feels like this is like, we are, I think I was at a party actually recently and somebody had said like, Oh, like not disgustingly, thankfully. So it allowed for me to feel like I I could open up and say something. It was like a comment about foot fetishes. Like just genuinely, I just don't understand why people may be attracted to feet. And like, without even thinking, I said, it can be as simple as, you know, when you're in a toddler age range of two to three, that you were playing near your mother's feet, she patted you on the back. That was a soothing mechanism to you. You connected feet to that. And it brings you comfort today. And they were just like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's really that simple. When you detach the sexuality aspect of it, it was because that didn't happen until after puberty. But when we had to attach that to that feeling, because that's how we now comfort, whatever, you know what I mean? But that's what mm-hmm. it is, is like, like what you, you said, it's just, I think we're, we're coming upon a new era and age of people seeing sexuality more openly and fluidly than they ever have before. And as as young children who have more open minds and open hearts being raised by those people who are trying to be more open-minded, that's where the lines are continuously getting blurred and opened up and more importantly and so on and so forth. So that was, that was a great example for sure. So um, as you had mentioned with your personality strengths, like do you feel like, I know it's not everybody, but like just as an example that some for uh, for the particular 
kink, I guess you would, you as you described it, with a degradation? Like, do you feel like that's like kind of a push and pull of your energies? Because in in one aspect, you you act or quote unquote uh, have these traits about yourself that you are primarily. Cool. So it's like kind of like a energetic release for you to be able to portray the other side of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and. So for, I'm a big proponent of therapy. Uh, one of my favorite things to tell people is I'm, I'm going to talk to my therapist about this. Like I am, I think one of the most important things that any kind of ally to any marginalized group can do is to normalize things. Um, so basically taking my privilege as a, um, a white cis middle-class woman and, giving voice to things. Um, so for a very long time, I've always referred to, um, my partners as my partner. Um, my husband is my spouse, uh, because I don't think it's important for anyone to know what gender my relationship is, because then if someone who is not out says partner, I don't want that to be the word that outs them. So just kind of trying to, you know, do whatever small part I can in kind of normalizing that language. Um, and, so, uh, uh, sorry to backtrack. That was a sort of side tangent. Um, talking to your therapist about um, your personal sexual proclivities can be really eye-opening. Um, so, for me, one of the reasons that I like degradation so much is that I was one of those kids that was raised in the '90s and labeled as a highly gifted student. And so, for my all of my formative years, what I was told was, you're so smart, you're so bright, you can learn anything, you can do anything, you can be anything that you want to be. And as it happened to many people in that cohort of people, uh, I started to internalize that as failure is not acceptable and everything has to be done perfectly or it shouldn't be done at all. So I can't tell you, Rachel, how many hobbies I picked up and immediately dropped because I wasn't instantly an expert at them. I was like, oh, I don't have the balance for ballet. Yes, I'm never dancing again. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, everything, everything that I valued about myself was that intrinsic goodness and bestness within me that had always been raised up, you know, by people who, who meant very well. It, it wasn't meant to be a, right. a damaging thing, right. but in some ways it was. So for me part of the enjoyment behind degradation and being told, you know, you know, you're, how graphic can I get? Are we? Yeah. I mean, they already know it's like, yeah, not safe for work. So if, I mean, when I hear, you know, you're, you're a stupid slut, only good for sex, you know, you're my fuck toy, things like that. It takes all of that pressure off because in that moment, that's all I have to be is, is that stupid fuck toy that doesn't know how to do anything else. And, you know, as, as you know, and as we've both talked about many, many times, the mental hurdle for arousal for women can be enormous. And when you've got all of these outside pressures, for me, that's just a way to release them to just say, yep, that's me. I'm here for you to use, do what you want. Nothing else matters right now. Mm. Um, And again, that's in, in a certain context with a certain partner, you know, I mean, it's not something that I've done with everyone I've ever been with. Um, it obviously takes kind of a lot of trust uh, to, to kind of let go for me anyway. But yeah, so I mean, that's where that particular thing comes from. And I think for a lot of people, it is 
kind of a push and pull, as you said. I think that's a really great way to phrase it. I mean, you hear things like, it's always the quiet ones. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, oftentimes you'll find it is. Um, So it's, it's very interesting from a psychological perspective where those things come from, because you're right, a lot of it does come from things in our formative years, in our childhoods, that at the time were not at all sexual. Oftentimes we're just an innocent thing or, you know, set in support and it just, your brain starts to associate things together. Right, right, exactly. Once you leave the nurturing adolescence, you move into needing and having no other option than to self-soothe. And so your self-soothing mechanisms just transform into whatever capacity that they do. And it's so many different faculties for people. It's why do some people have an oral fixation if they were thumb suckers? Why do some people still sleep with particular types of blankets because it's similar material that they mm-hmm. used to rub on their face? So there's no shame in that. I thought that was really important that you said that is because there is shame. It's like we chastise adults for how dare you try to associate something so juvenile. Daddy issues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something That's you, one that makes me crazy. Yeah. Girls with daddy issues. I had an absent father figure and now I seek the attention of men. It's exactly that kind of thing. But when you talk about it, like if you think of a girl with daddy issues, generally on television or in movies, she's a sex worker of some kind, oftentimes an exotic dancer. She is promiscuous and it's all seen as a bad thing that was brought on by her trauma. But really, it could just be... That that's what she's into, and she is a self-owning woman. Yeah, yeah. are you talking about me? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, because that that was for me, which is which is ironic, is because I had that revelation in, a, in an entirely PG environment about myself and my daddy issues and the the neglect, and it was just emotional neglect. It was just that that I f- figured out that my husband who at the time was still just just my partner, um, was fulfilling for me. And that was why there was so much tension between my relationship with my bonus son, because I was fearful that he was going to take all of that that I was getting from Tony that I never got from my dad because I was still acting as an adolescent child. I wasn't realizing until I cracked the code on, hey, girlfriend, like love is unlimited. So it's so great that you love this man and he's fulfilling those needs. Let him do that for this kid and not repeat the cycle. It was like, boom, okay, 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 I got it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. uh, it was really powerful. But I will also say that on the flip side of that, like, you know, when it came to being intimate, I would say that I always, 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 and this this always reminded me of you, by the way, I always felt massively insecure in, uh, in our intimate relationship because he was 11 years older than me. And I would be like well and 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 the industry that I was working in when we met of course right so it was like well let, let maybe we try this which was something I'd never done and he'd be like oh, I already did that and I'd be like oh well let's try this and he'd be like oh I already did that and I'm like oh right and I'm going through this list and I and I felt very inadequate because I'm like not only am you know this is the person that I really 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 want to be with and I really want to experience these things that I never would have told another partner about before plus I feel like I should know all about the sexiest things in the world to do because of what I do for a living. And I couldn't even like, I couldn't draw up anything new. So for the longest time, I felt so insecure that I was always looking to him. He doesn't know any of this, by the way. So it wasn't like I was like, tell me your secret. 
favorites, but it was like this internalization of he'll always be able to tell me more than I know about my own body or more about sex than I'll ever know, experiences, pleasure, any of that, because he's been on planet Earth longer than me and having sex longer than I have and more partners at that. And it was just just like this year that it was just like a light bulb moment that I was like, yeah, hello, you've now also been having sex for however many years. You've also changed your entire body. You've also learned more about your anatomy. You've also become way more intuitive about your mental and emotional space. Like, it's okay for you to feel like you're up to par with being able to tell him now a little bit about pleasure and not in a condescending manner about like a, here, here's what I've learned. Maybe we should partner up now <laughs> in our knowledge or whatever. So being able to be that open on any level, that's like, to me, like I said, that started in a PG and then it worked its way into whatever. It was still like more like PG 13. It wasn't that bad, but um, as you can see that transition. So if it's a little bit farther that you got to go, I really like your nails in my back. I really like, you know, for you to tie me up those, it, it's not that far farther from where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. mm. that actually brings up something that is super important when it comes to kink of any kind I mean sexual relationships of any kind which is communication obviously um, and I actually did a Facebook live probably a year and a half ago maybe um, on specifically how do you introduce new things in the bedroom and one of the things that I think is really important and is definitely the most difficult for people is what I call kitchen table conversations, which in my house, they occur at the kitchen table, which is why I call it that. But it can be anywhere as long as, crucially, it's not happening in an intimate space. It's not happening in the moment. Um, it, <laughs> I see memes a lot about, uh, you know, choke me, like in the midst of sex. I see a lot of tweets about that and I'm just like, that's not the moment. <laughs> it's not the moment to ask the person you're with to do that. Uh, for a lot of reasons, one, if you haven't negotiated your limits, they might not know how, how to tell when you've hit your limit. Uh, two, if you haven't discussed limits, you don't know that something you're asking for is not a limit for them. Right. Uh, and, and three, if they're like, yeah, no, I'm not into that. That can be kind of a mood killer, like to be rejected mid-intimate uh, encounter. So I think that uh, the examples that you just gave, Rachel, are awesome. Things like, I like it when you scratch my back. Those are great things to say in sex or in, in an intimate encounter to uh, say in the course of the action to, to encourage a behavior that's already happened or to say, you know, you can, you can do that harder or you can do that for longer or you know, things like that. If what you're wanting to introduce is something brand new, if you want to disclose to your partner that you'd really like to do a uh, daddy daughter role play in, in the middle of an intimate encounter is not the time to call your partner daddy for yeah. the first time. That's not, yeah. you know, you might hit pay dirt and they might love it and it might be totally organic. It might also be something that's very uncomfortable for them. And again, rejection in that moment hits a lot harder than it does if you're sitting at the table and just having a conversation fully dressed with your partner as adults. Um, and I think those can be really important partly because you're just mentally in a better space when you're not in the middle of an intimate 
encounter. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is your brain is functioning better. (laughs) Um, When you are aroused and in the midst of a moment with your partner, (laughs) your, your higher reasoning functions are not really what's getting the blood flow at that moment. Um, So it's very helpful to just have a totally calm discussion and to just say, you know, Hey, this is something I've always been curious about, or this is something that uh, I did with a previous partner. It just as straightforward and, you know, like Rachel said, taking the taboo out of it. That's something that I try to do a lot with my speech because I think it helps a lot. It can make it much less intimidating. So rather than coming at something from a perspective of you're not satisfying me, so I think you should choke me might not come across quite as well Mm -hmm. as, you know, a very calm conversation about this is something I'm interested in. I've heard about breath play. Would you be willing to learn about that with me? Or do you have any experience in that? Is it something you'd be interested in? And for some people, that's a very easy conversation to have. For some people, it's beyond mortifying. For those people who have a really hard time articulating that, there are several really good uh, online quizzes, lists, etc. Um, there's a website called um, The Bad Girl's Bible, uh, which is not affiliated with The Good Girl's Guide, <laughs> to be clear, I just realized. Um, but there's something called The Bad Girl's Bible. They have a list of kinks, which are basically the scientific words and descriptions of what goes along with something. So um, for some reason, the only thing I can think of right now is teratophilia, which is... Um, a fetishization of monsters. So werewolves, vampires, tentacle monsters, all of that kind of falls under the same heading. Um, And so it's just an alphabetical list of the scientific words for these and a very calm description of it. So going through a list like that with your partner to just say, you know, oh, I've never heard of that. That's interesting. Because, you know, at that moment, it's kind of like when you're in high school and you're reading Cosmo sex tips with your girlfriends, you're just kind of, (laughs) oh, It makes it okay that you're absorbing that information because you're not just on your own, but also it promotes that conversation with your partner. So things like that are really great. There is also, oh gosh, I wish I could think of what it's called. Um, If you Google, like, I think it, like BDSM percentage quiz, it goes through and asks you questions about, do you enjoy being restrained? Do you enjoy being told what to do? Like just very blunt questions. And at the end, it gives you a percentage of your um, different kink archetypes, which it's certainly not perfect, but for someone who's starting from zero um, or even from one or two, you know, for yeah. someone starting as, at a very beginner level, it's a really great way to look at it and say, Oh, all of these proclivities that I have actually, wow. I'm, I'm actually really into being tied up and being submissive, or I'm really, I'm good with both sides. I'm, I'm definitely a switch and it sort of breaks down a lot of different things. Again, it's not perfect, but it is a really great starting point for someone who's saying, you know, I want to learn something new, spice up my relationship catch up with my partner who has more experience. It's a great way to just sort of baseline educate yourself. Um, because I think one of the most important things to know is your own limits. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you 
I mean, would absolutely never do for anyone in any context. Two girls, one cup comes to mind for me. Yeah. What are the things that you might do with the right partner if it was something your partner really wanted? You know, all the way down to what are the things you would do in every single sexual encounter of your life if you could? You know, because it's, it's not, again, all a spectrum. Every single part of it is there's nothing binary about anything related to human sexuality or kink or even what most people probably consider vanilla sex. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, it's all a spectrum. Yeah. It's all a lot of spectrums. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I would agree with that. Uh, I just actually took this masterclass this week um, and Emily Morse describes creating a sexual menu almost identically to what you had said. It's basically like getting a list from anywhere. Like you had said, that's a really great place to get it because I'm not going to say the word extreme is not the one I'm like, but variety, a variety of things that you probably have never heard of when it comes to sex and, um, you know, intimacy and just reviewing it is fun. Just like you had said, I can completely relate to reading my mom's Cosmo. It was, it was like, I don't even feel like I should know this stuff yet. I feel a little young, but I feel like it's, it is fun stuff to know. And so for me, what I envision is I tell people that what you had said, it's planting the seeds. It's not tomorrow we're yeah. thinking about having anal. It's, it's today we're thinking, holy crap, I had no idea that we were actually on a similar plane about a potential new sexual act that we could incorporate into right. our love lives. And so, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. So you review that list and then maybe six months from now that that really, really hot list has switched to lukewarm or whatever. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the important thing about it too, is like you said, nothing's black or white, not even just within the sex world. So, so important just to give yourself permission. I think that that's like a little bit of a relief is that you don't have to fixate yourself in a box of what it is that you're into today. Like it can change, especially because, you know, you got these things called hormones, you got these things called seasons of life, you got these things, you know, all this other stuff. So whatever. Um, Okay. So uh, that was really great. I hope that people feel like they learned a little bit of something. And I would fully agree that most people are less vanilla than they would anticipate. I mean, to me, it's just like vanilla was just the thing that we all thought was Mm, the the majority of the option, I guess, because that's the thing we've seen the most. Two two cis individuals having a monogamous heterosexual relationship uh, in the P and the V, and it's like, meh, mm, you know, whatever, whatever. Regardless of what you're into, you know, people are having sex in many other ways. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. so when we initially started to plan this conversation, um, you, you had asked me if I had specifically wanted to talk about one particular kink, and I really was like, didn't really care, honestly. But I thought. That that you were able to educate me very well on on what you had said. So I'm just actually, I'm not going to repeat anything. I would just like for you just to share with them kind of how we're going to transition this conversation and possibly maybe even hopefully open up some hearts and some minds to the fact that this is what we're wanting to ultimately do is to segue kink into more of a mainstream quote unquote commonality because there really is nothing that's normal when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, absolutely. So, um, I have a, a chronic condition called endometriosis, um, which for anyone who's not aware is a condition that affects uterus owners only. Um, and it's, uh, kind of a silent autoimmune disorder. Technically, um, there are a lot of different symptoms and different signs. Uh, for me, one of the biggest symptoms that I had for years and years and years that went undiagnosed because medical 
industry hates women, low key. <laughs> Even my female OBGYN was like, you just have sensitive skin, you should switch soaps. Mm. Sure, that helped totally. So one of the um, biggest symptoms for me was painful sex. Um, and not painful is not right. Uh, excruciating. Mm. So I was uh, experiencing pelvic floor muscle spasms that basically meant anytime anything of any size was inserted into my vagina or my anus, I experienced um, like the worst period cramps you could imagine surrounding my entire pelvic area, front to back, side to side, nothing enjoyable about it. Um, it was not an issue of, I wasn't self lubricating enough. It was not an issue of not enough foreplay. It was a physiological response to penetration. And, um, my partner who I was with, um, before me, uh, he had been into, um, anal play with himself using, you know, plugs and things like that when he was, um, um, well, when he was masturbating mostly, And he told me about it and he was sort of ashamed Mm. because, you know, if you put something up your butt and you're a man, you're gay and gay is a bad thing, obviously, Mm, you know, I mean, that's, that's the world he grew up in. Yeah. Um, obviously none of that is accurate. So one of the things that we found was, you know, at first it was, if he used an anal plug while we were having sex, he was able to achieve orgasm faster and, Basically, the length of penetration was short enough that I could deal with it. We could still have that connection, that intimacy. And then, you know, it would be like, okay, you need to get out of me right now. So for a long time, that was kind of how we did it. But my symptoms started getting worse and worse over the years that we were together. And so what we ended up doing, and I I honestly can't even remember how the idea came up, um, was I went online and I ordered a strap on. Mm -hmm. And uh, for anyone who's not aware, that is a harness that you wear that has a, a, usually a silicone or metal ring. And through that ring, you insert a dildo of some kind. And then you basically use that to, um, uh, pantomime is not the word that I want. Penetrate. Uh, You use, penetrate, yes, thank you. You use that to penetrate your partner. Traditionally, if you have a cis woman wearing a strap-on to penetrate a cis male partner, what that's called is pegging. And if you were to look up pegging pornographic material, what you're going to find is that it's really strongly associated with uh, what's called feminization and sissification, which is basically a shame-based humiliation play where a man is forced to assume the quote lesser female role. Um, so you'll see uh, men wearing skirts and high heels and a woman wearing, uh, you know, pants or latex often. <laughs> um, and, and they are penetrating the man who is sissified or feminized. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, that is for some people, a kink, you know, I mean that, that when I say it's a shame-based humiliation play, what, what I'm, what I mean is in the same way that as a strong independent woman, I like to be called a dirty slut in certain circumstances. 
a, a very strong masculine man might want to let go of that pressure for a minute and be feminized and, you know, be told that, you know, he's, he's a girl or he has a boy pussy or, you know, any of the kind of language that goes along with that. Right. So it's, it's a, it's something that's born very much out of the societal inherent shame of a man taking on a female role, but it's a real thing. It's a very real kink for a lot of people. But in my case, when I was doing that with my partner, it was not because I was feminizing him or because I was even taking a dominant role. It was because I could not accept penetration of any kind and he enjoyed anal penetration. And so what it allowed us to have was something along the lines of a normal sex life. Because even though sex for me was always excruciating, I still enjoyed sexual contact. I could still get aroused. I could still have orgasms, just not if something was inside me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it became for us a very... I mean, it was just an everyday part of our cis-hetero relationship, even though it's something that's oftentimes kind of otherized. So I think that's another place where it's really important to say, you know, just because I'm into that doesn't mean I should be ashamed of it. Because, you know, even if he had any kind of worry about being seen as feminine or anything like that. That's not what we were doing. That's not what it was about for us. It was just a form of intimacy and connection. So it just became part of our, you know, sexual repertoire in the same way that oral sex, manual sex, anal sex, penis and vagina penetrative sex, it it just became one of the things we could do. And yes, it did become the sort of default for us, but to me, I don't think that's actually any different from the way that penis and vagina sex is typically the default. You know, it's sex starts when the penis goes in the vagina and it ends when the penis ejaculates. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's that's, that's very much just taken yeah. as yeah. yeah, that's the expected. That's that's what's taken to be the norm. And for us, what we took to be the norm just had to be a little bit different because of, you know, my issues well yeah and I've I mean, had surgery and physical therapy and all kinds of stuff and that's that's in the past now but <laughs> yeah but I really so, like how you <laughs> you were able to describe the uh, the transition to that because yes it's mm-hmm. like if, if you go from even if like a friendly conversation with your girlfriends where you're like always been open about talking about sex and then one day you're just talking about the strap on that you have of course they're going to go what like they don't see the transition of the mm-hmm. need and the need being fulfilled uh, but when you really take dare I say the orifice out of it it's not how is it really that different yeah. from let's say a female partner um, you know providing oral to a partner with a penis and to ejaculation at that maybe because you're on your period or maybe because you just don't feel like it or maybe because you thoroughly enjoy giving them pleasure in that manner so it's not different it's just an mm-hmm. elevation of that so oh my goodness I I hope that some people are having some revelations here where whatever it is that you made like you may f- you feel like you 
slipped into some time maybe where you had a little extra glass of wine or you you got high for the first time and it was the best sex you ever had you can't figure out why <laughs> it's usually because you've allowed yourself to uh, lay down your inhibitions and I don't encourage getting uh, trashed and having sex uh, you know especially if you haven't explored <laughs> any of these things but but I'm just saying that if you ever had any type of correlation where it's opened your eyes a little bit then you know, maybe maybe explore a little bit more. Um, maybe your girlfriends or your current tribe are not ready for conversations like that, but that just means that you have to find a tribe that's a little kinkier. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> or just be that friend who says blowjob way too loud in a restaurant because that was me, like, in um, early college. And I, that's not even a, a random example. I have a vivid memory of being with my high school girlfriends in La Paz Mexican restaurant in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I don't even remember what we were talking about, but it was one of those moments where like, you're talking real loud because there's a lot of sound around you. And then all of the sounds stopped and the whole restaurant just heard me go and a blow job. And all of my friends were just like, shh, shh, <laughs> people are looking at us. You said a dirty word. They know that you know that word. They know that we know that word. I mean, they just lost it. But fast forward 10 years from that point, those same friends are still in a group chat. And we're all at various stages of, uh, you know, married, second marriage, first baby, second baby, single and loving it. I mean, we're, we're really across the spectrum. And Boy, howdy, do we talk about sex a lot. So maybe it's not that you have to find a kinkier tribe. Just, you know, have some kitchen table conversations with your tribe and, you know, give them permission to, to feel that way and talk about it, too. Yeah, yes. I, I don't think anyone ever gave me permission. I just talk too much and I'm loud <laughs> and I sometimes... <laughs> sometimes just like go learn about stuff because I thought it was interesting I'm like oh wow I've never heard about that before did you know <laughs> did you know uh, I I think that's I, I do I agree with that it's not really different than hey you know I, I gave up pop and started drinking water hey I was trying this keto mm-hmm. diet I thought of you hey you know I was blowing my man and I just couldn't wait to tell you guys how well it went <laughs> like Again, it's about normalizing yep. those conversations. And I definitely, now that you, you mentioned that, you know, I would say that I, that that is definitely, was a, at least in my core group of friends that I could say have gone back past a decade. That's one of our favorite things to do is to get together and talk about sex. And I think we also thought like we were kind of abnormal as in not a lot of women did that. And I do think that there's a lot of women that don't. But I think that there's more of us out there that do than we know, and there always has been. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to recognize because I also think that translates even further back to women being able to masturbate or know your own body and thinking that you're the only one when you find out that you're not. It's like, oh my gosh, that's why it is more normal than we think. We just have okay. we haven't had the the narrative to see it and. That's yep. what's that's, you know, beautiful about Netflix having 1.4 billion categories, y'all, is that you can see anybody's perspective yes. now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's, it is something that I think we've not only just didn't know, we've all been told yes. for decades the women didn't think about that. You know, you just lay back and think of England. That has literally never been the case. I mean... Human sexuality occurs whether or not you want your wife to have a sex drive. It, I mean, it's, it's always been there. There have always been women 
who talked about things they weren't supposed to, who felt like they were wrong or broken because they didn't want sex all the time, because they didn't want kids, because they had thoughts about the girl next door instead of the boy next door. You know, I mean, there, there's so much shame associated with all of it. And just to kind of flip that on its side, I will freely admit going back to the pegging thing, although it did not come from a place of wanting to feminize my boyfriends, there's something real powerful, social construct, but real powerful feeling about having a big old dick. (laughs) I am not kidding. Like it, I very much enjoyed it on that kind of, primal level of like this is not something I've ever experienced before I guess I can see the appeal of it interesting you know it's (laughs) yeah well I mean it makes sense right I mean it's not different than an actor playing a part it's not different than transitioning into anything that you become of yourself so I'm sure the energy just kind of melds with the moment so that's interesting absolutely that's a great way of saying it yeah and it's it's sort of the inverse of what happens as, as, you know, in those formative years or something very innocent happens, and then it might transition into a sexual experience. You can have something sexual that transitions into like, wow, I feel, I feel really good about myself. You know, mm. like the first time I put on a corset, it was for lingerie. It was to please a male partner. Now, like, I wore one to work for Halloween last year because we were all supposed to dress up as pirates, you know, so I just very calmly wore a corset to work. It wasn't sexual. It was just something that I like. I like the way it makes me feel. I like the way it makes me look, get some of those va-va-boom curves. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it can go both directions. You're, you're, you're never going to stop learning about yourself, and you're never going to stop growing as a person, so you will never run out of things that you encounter and you go, Oh, Oh, I didn't know I was into that. I mean, it. <laughs> yeah, there's no glass ceiling or there's no ceiling, in general, but I think that that's one thing a lot of people don't know, you know, cause we were talking about getting out of that conversation of what was the perception you saw during that time? What did your parents, teachers, pastors, or lack thereof implant in your programming of what it meant to be in a relationship or what intimacy was. So when you can take your etch a sketch and shake it up and decide, you know, what it is that you really want, you'll, you'll learn that there's no cap. You'll like you would said, you know, I think for a lot of people, you start off with like, you start off with just feeling good. You feel blood flow. You learn about nerve endings. Even if you don't know any of the terminology, you feel that. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to sensation of if you enjoy penetration, that's a different thing. That's a new level of pleasure. And then potential orgasm, which is a new level of pleasure. And then multiple types of orgasms, which is a new pleasure. And then breath work, like you talked about. And then multiple stimulate, like it just keeps piling up. Mm -hmm. And that's what's beautiful about it. You just, you know, if, if you're, if you are intentional about your intimacy building, you, <laughs> you will marathon run through that like you're training for the Olympics to feel like, what can I, what can I discover next about pleasure? Because this uh-huh. is insane. <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, exploring with a partner, especially if it's something where, you know, one of you has read it or heard about it or tried it and the other one hasn't, 
introducing your partner to something intimate like that is, in my mind, the same kind of enjoyment of like, you've never seen that movie, we have to watch that movie. And then you get to watch them enjoy it for the first time. It's that, but plus oxytocin and potentially orgasms. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's that same sort of feeling, you know, you're connecting on a level, uh, you're, you're deepening your connection by engaging in a new activity or an educational activity, educational somewhat. Yeah. Um, and it, it deepens that bond, even if it doesn't become something that's part of your everyday, at least, you know, you have a funny story with that partner of, oh, ha ha ha, remember that one time we tried figging and you almost cried, <laughs> which for anyone who doesn't know is inserting, a, a, it's a rectal insertion of a peeled ginger root. Oh, no. Yeah, I've never personally tried it. I've heard <laughs> It hurts a lot, uh, very stingy and tingly, but some people really like it. Yeah. Um, so maybe you have a funny story of that one time that you had to help help your partner clean off their booty real quick in the shower after that failed experiment. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Or maybe you have something that's now your new favorite thing to do together. Mm. Or maybe it's something that they don't like, but you do. And in a future relationship, you try, you know, I mean... Because that's the other thing is the partner that you're with for a lot of people is a huge part of how kinky they're going to get because it does take a certain level of trust to open yourself up and to, um, you know, really bear your soul in that way. Because again, what if your partner says, that's gross, you're disgusting, I'm not interested in you anymore. Um, and I mean, there are some, you know, to circle all the way back around to my 19 year old self, the partner who I didn't want to submit to is because he wasn't like a super effective adult, which in fairness to him, also he was 19, 20 years old. So, you know, wouldn't necessarily hold that against him at this right, point, right. but that was part of it was I was like, I don't really want to belong to you because you can barely take care of yourself. I don't really like, I can take care of myself better. Right. Right. So I don't really want to run that risk, but in a different relationship, I might have a very different view of that. You know, I, I feel safe and supported and I know that if I let my guard down, if I let go of control, I know you got me, babe, mm. you know? So it's, again, it's so fluid and, and I call it a spectrum, but I think really it's more like a gyroscope. You've got all of these different circles that might overlap at different points, what, what your part or who your partner is, where you are in your life, where you are in your hormonal cycle, where you are in your seasonal affective disorder cycle. I mean, it, there's so much that goes into it. And when you have a moment where things overlap with the partner and the communication and the desire and feeling safe enough to explore new things together. It really is an incredibly intimate thing. It's not dirty. It's just human. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And what you said about um, the analogy for if you've seen a great movie and you want somebody else to experience it as well. I think that's really important too. 
if like uh, if maybe your partner has already done something with somebody previously and they really like it. I know that as a very insecure woman, I I used to look at that as again inadequacy. Like you need me to do something that somebody else did for you. Like that I wasn't on board with that kind of thing. So when you can look at it as, would you ever be mad at your friend? Well, you might be, okay. But would you hold it against your friend for a long period of time if they went and saw the new blockbuster movie without you or whatever? Yeah, so you might be a little bit bitter at first, but you'll get over it because you can always watch the movie again. You can always find out if you still love that movie or whatever. So, And they might like watching that movie with you because you were way funnier during it. You never know. You never know. So, yes, fluidity, I think, is like the key core to sexuality in general. Just... Go Google a gyroscope because I think that makes perfect sense where you, it just, it's not even, it can't even be a complete circle because it's got squiggly lines where you bounce back and forth and it's just not clean. Okay. Good. This was a really good conversation. I I do hope that people were able to get something from it. Um, I would love to have you back uh, with a part two and see uh, if we can generate maybe even some like questions from the group to see if they, yeah. Yeah. Ask a kink. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that would be the title of it, but we'll figure it out. So uh, I want to thank you so much for being here, stepping in again for Jess so she could take as much time as she needed to be with that baby. Uh, Opening our eyes and um, hearts to something that I know you're much more educated than I am so I really hope that ladies are able listeners are able to to start their journey at least and uh Hannah is in the VIP page and she'll have all of her contact info in the description here so feel free to reach out to her and we'll definitely have her back for sure so one more time remind them where can they find you uh, I am on Facebook as Hannah Joy. I am on Instagram and TikTok as Hannah Hannah Joy Joy. Uh, <laughs> And that's Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H. Is that, is that from Ren and Stimpy? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. Mm. Happy, happy, joy, joy. That's right. Yeah. That's what's up. All right, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Rachel Vod, as you already know, but make sure again to go over to uh, Facebook. I've got a private VIP page, 18 years or older, and a feminine energy if you'd like to do some sexual wellness and intimacy building. And uh, Instagram and TikTok at A Good Girl's Guide too. Make sure to reach out to me for your next empowerment classes starting up as well as one-to-one services if you're interested in that. And we will see you next week for another podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay happy, stay healthy, and wash your hands. Goodbye! Bye.